Are you tired of your valuable ideas and suggestions getting lost in the shuffle? Well, that is why I'm introducing Direct Suggest, the revolutionary digital suggestion box that puts your voice front and center. With Direct Suggest, you have the power to make a difference in your organization. Direct Suggest provides value to organizations in various industries worldwide, including notable brands like Comcast, TD Bank, and Nokia. And here's the best part. Direct Suggest only costs 50 cents per employee per month, making it an affordable solution for businesses of all sizes. Plus, they have an incredibly high ROI and savings potential with an average 33 times return on investment. The implementation process is also a breeze. Once committed, setting up Direct Suggest from start to finish can be completed in as quickly as a week or less. Don't let your ideas or your team's ideas go unnoticed. Visit directsuggest.com today and start by making a difference with Direct Suggest. Use the promo code HUMANHR for your extended 60-day free trial. Again, visit directsuggest.com to learn more and remember to use promo code HUMANHR for an extended free trial. Direct Suggest, where your voice matters. Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast. I'm Tracy Chernoff, and I've spent my entire professional career in HR. Each week, we'll explore the delicate balance between people and business with the aim to reconnect the two and create meaningful outcomes. Listen in as I share my own experiences, challenge the status quo, and chat with guests from various industries about our mission to bring the human back to human resources. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here for another week. As you know, I am a traveling podcaster these days, so I am still at my parents' house with um, my dog, Peanut, dog sitting. And I apologize in advance if you hear him play with any toys or bark or anything like that, but he should be he should be pretty good. It looks like he's making himself cozy on a bed right now, which I think all of us would love to do at this point in the day, depending on when, when you're listening and where you're listening from. All right, so this week we're going to talk about something that actually has not really been brought up a ton on this podcast, and that is work friction. And we're going to dive into what that means, but I'm not doing it alone. I have Christoph Martel with me, who is the co-founder and CEO of Fount Global Inc., a SaaS company that helps global organizations reduce work friction and improve employee experiences. Fount helps companies identify what's at the root cause of employee dissatisfaction and prioritize what to fix in their environment. Previously, Christoph was CHRO of CEB, a global research and advisory company acquired by Gartner in 2017. So Christoph, I'm sure you're going to have a ton of research information for us, but welcome to the podcast. So happy to have you here. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah, of course. Well, maybe we have to start at the top. Can you walk us through what work friction is and how you uh, kind of became like this expert in solving this problem? Hmm. Um. So what it is, uh, uh, well, it has it has two faces. It's the same phenomenon, uh, but for employees, it's anything that gets in the way of them doing what they're trying to do at work. And what they're trying to do at work can be their job. Um, so a nurse trying to provide care to, to a patient, uh, but also what they're trying to do at work is um, use the company's services to employees, such as figuring out their career, um, you know, uh, taking a, a long leave for uh, for health reasons, uh, changing their shift, or any, any other aspect of their life at work uh, that the company plays an important role in. And 
the fact is that when uh, individuals um, uh, do this, and it's actually, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the larger the company uh, they work for, the, the truer it gets, uh, they experience a ton of friction. That means that there's a ton of stuff getting in their way that shouldn't. So uh, from an employee's perspective, it's um, st stuff that, you know, makes me spend energy uh, that just shouldn't be there. Um, so that's the employee view from an employer's perspective. Um, it's a, it's essentially a, a super costly headwind. Uh, and, uh, the, the term headwind is, uh, uh, is kind of sending to this kind of invisible slower downer, uh, mm. that kind of slows the business down, uh, because people are, uh, so you know, Gartner actually, it was CB slash Gartner, uh, did research on this and found that. Uh, it takes on average uh, two hours of work uh, uh, away from employees every day, right? So wow. uh, if you say two out of eight hours, that's a pretty, pretty significant portion of everyone's work in a 100,000 people company uh, that is wasted every day. And uh, that is very costly from a pure productivity perspective, right? So there's... Uh, there's essentially a 25% a productivity um, opportunity uh, for companies to recapture uh, by removing work friction. The second impact that work friction has is um, uh, for individuals, having to overcome obstacles that shouldn't be there is a very frustrating uh, exercise, right? It's a, mm -hmm. uh, as a human, it's just not a good way to spend one's time. Uh, you know, you're asking me to do a job and you make it difficult for me to go do it. It's you know, hard enough as it is that it, you don't need to add right. to, the, uh, to right. the pain of it. And that is where, um, uh, you know, uh, individuals essentially start burning out or getting disengaged with the company when the essentially their, their friction meter <laughs> start going over their tolerance limit. Um, and uh, for you know, that, from an economic uh, perspective for employers, represents, well, um, uh, you know, the costs of burnout and disengagement are really high. If you look at attrition rates uh, in, in North America, they're not going down, right? So this is still a very tight talent market. It's hard to find people, hard to keep them. Uh, and in this case, um, you know, friction is a self-inflicted wound by organizations. Um, and you know, uh, that's also an opportunity to, to tackle. Um, so that is work friction. Yeah. Thank you for, for describing that for us and, or defining that for us. And, you know, my immediate thought when I think of work friction is, uh, sometimes this cross-functional element that, you know, maybe within your own team or, you know, department within an organization, you're working like a well-oiled machine. But then when you require something from another department or you need to work cross-functionally, we always reference like these friction points that can happen just because, you know, departments might work differently or people might work differently, even just outside of their own team. So that was like the first thing that I think of yeah. um, because of the challenges that are just present when it comes to cross-functional work. But at the same time, or on the other hand, I also think about, to your point, businesses that don't keep the easy things easy 
and make unnecessary difficulties out of something that otherwise could be quite simple. Like I, I, a perfect example is the U.S. government and these I-9 changes. Like we know that the large majority of workforces have gone remote and yet they didn't update the I-9 process to meet employees and employers where they are. And so they created this huge burden, uh, operational burden for HR teams and employers. And then now just this week, they're like, actually, we're going to change it because we heard everyone complaining, you know, we're, we're going to make a change. And so these are these are just some examples that I think of when I think of work friction. Um, these are, which... that's, a, that's a good one. The, that latter one, I'm French, so <laughs> I don't want to comment on the U.S. government. I can comment <laughs> on the French government as long as you'd like. But um, I, uh, in, in this case, you could argue that, um, you know, the work friction introduced by new um uh, new federal regulation, uh, or ac actually absence thereof in this case, it, it is uh, is introducing work friction. But the question is, what is it that employees hold their uh, employer accountable for? Mm -hmm. Right. So work friction is a very subjective thing. Uh, it's a you know, uh, if you think about process friction, for example, so a very inefficient process. So by definition, is um, something, let's say, that has too many steps in it um, mm -hmm. may or may not uh, create work friction, actually. Right? So a process can be really inefficient and from a user perspective still work. Uh, so, I don't know, uh, let's say the, the payroll process may be super inefficient as long as I get it at the end of the month. I don't really care. So mm -hmm. the, the, the two are connected. Um, but uh, the work friction is the subjective opinion that an individual has of how uh, difficult you're making something that shouldn't be. Uh, mm -hmm. And in the case of the I-9, you know, employees may very well say, well, the government is the one to blame uh, rather than my employer. Um, mm -hmm. And now it still extracts an economic cost because it slows down productivity. However, you don't get the other side of it, which is, do I really want to work for this company that is making my life difficult on purpose? Right, right. So um, now work friction, what we're seeing is actually, I can see this in, uh, you know, in, in, uh, our, in Fount as a company that we're, we're not very big, right? Um, you, you, you can see that work friction exists in a really small company, but... Um, seems to be detected and figured out almost on the fly because everyone is within reach to do just that. Um, things get difficult when uh, companies start hitting 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 mm -hmm. uh, uh, people where now you have to set up a bureaucracy to operate the system. And the nature of that bureaucracy is to create rules and processes and swim lanes and, you know, decision rights and all the rest of it. Um, and often these things are not designed with the user in mind and the user being the employee. They're actually yeah. designed with what is it that the business need, right? So um, extreme case in, you know, um, any financial institution that um, uh, that serves um, 
uh, consumers, there's a lot of regulations. There's a lot of uh, uh, security guardrails all over the, the bank that essentially makes the life of call center agents more complex. Right? Uh, and sometimes it becomes so complex that they can't do their job because there's just too much in their way. And that gets in their way as employees and also gets in the way of the customer experience on the other end. So the question for companies is how to navigate on one hand, the pressures of the, uh, you know, the process integrity and the structure that you need to maintain in a big organization, but also let enough leeway for employees to do the work in the way that it's supposed to be done. Um, and uh, often in large organizations, the former imperative is the one that drives rather than the latter. Um, mm -hmm. And one of the ways that we, we help our, our customers is to help them understand where work friction is occurring, almost like with a heat map that says, this is causing work friction or that is causing work friction and here's when it does um, and what you can potentially do to fix it. Got it. That was going to be my question for you actually is how found is identifying these areas where work friction is caused. And then the other side of this too, is that I was reflecting on what you said about large organizations and the level of work friction that they run into because of the need to manage the process, create more process, mm -hmm. create more barriers. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but then I was also thinking about how there's still, even in companies that are much smaller, the work friction is there. It just looks different. Um, and you know, when I, when I think about that, the, that it's really agnostic based on, you know, agnostic to the side size of the company, but that the actual type of friction or where the friction comes up is probably what changes, right? True. So, um, the thing about a small company is that work friction is most of the time acceptable to employees. So remember it's a subjective, mm -hmm. uh, a, a subjective, um, assessment from a worker to say, you know, when you work at a startup, you don't expect that you're going to have super well-oiled processes everywhere. Actually, it's kind of even part of the expectation that it's not going to be like that. And sometimes it creates friction because I don't know, um, you know, your 401k management may not be as smooth as it would otherwise be in a big company, but because that's accepted, that's uh, expected you don't run into that frustration, uh, even though you do take a hit on productivity. Um, and it's a little bit similar um, you know, if you think about decision rights in startups, right? they're not very well defined. You don't have very well established rules, but people just found, find their way around that ambiguity and make it work because that is expected. Now, if you work for a really large company and you find that there's ambiguity in decision-making uh, in a really large matrix, that creates all kinds of tension that are mm. political and, uh, and otherwise that become really painful for, uh, for now, not just a, a few people, but hundreds or thousands. Um, right. So I, I, I um, you know, maybe the last thing to, to say, and, I'll, and then I'll, I'll respond to your question is, uh, that work friction is, as I mentioned, is kind of in the eye of the beholder. Mm. Um, and I, you know, um, I was born in the sixties in France and I went through all kinds of what experiences 
I have a pretty high tolerance to friction, right? I mean, I was, I learned to program in Fortran a long time ago, so I talk mm -hmm. about friction. Um, <laughs> so I, I, um, my son who's 22 has very low tolerance for work friction because the expectation is that everything runs like the apps and the environment that he operates in. Uh, my expectation is different, right? So mm. the, the, this friction problem is becoming more and more acute with every generation. So between uh, millennials and now Gen Z, who are going to be just the bulk of the uh, of, of the working population very shortly, um, their expectation for friction or or uh, was very low. Like uh, don't don't mess with me, basically. Make it easy point. for me to do what I need to do. Yeah, that's a great point. So, so how how we do that? Uh, you know, with with that kind of subjective uh, aspect in mind, um, the the only ones who know work friction are the ones doing the work, by definition, right? So, and we see this with our customers whenever we ask executives, "Where do you guys think work friction occurs?" They ninety nine percent of the time they get it wrong um, because they're image of work friction occurs is usually usually based on what their managers tell them or what uh, anecdotes told them when they did a you know a, a ride along somewhere or whatever um, when you actually get real employee voice around the the parts of the environment in which they work that create friction uh, you suddenly discover just an ocean of opportunities to go and tackle. Uh, and, you know, we do this through survey and various other means of uh, text analytics and the like to understand which parts of the environment, and that means uh, digital things, so digital tools, um, processes, policies, um, decision rights, structures, uh, workflows. So anything that essentially organizes the work um, which of these things are working because some of these things are and which of these things are not and sometimes which combinations of things are not working. Uh, mm. and that's the one thing that we, we've realized is that um, uh, all, all of these are, uh, you know, friction occurs in human experiences, right? So it's when people try to do something. So, uh, you know, let's say if I, I'm in a, a customer service role and I try to solve a customer problem, I'm going to have digital touch points everywhere, right? So software, uh, you know, calling equipment and uh, various other things. I'm going to have policies which regulate like what I can do and not do with for this customer and where are the boundaries. And so all of that is defined by, by the business. I'm going to have human interactions with the customer, maybe with my supervisor and uh, whoever else. So it's a very complex ecosystem that an individual performs their job in. And the solution is never just fix one thing. It's usually find mm -hmm. the two, three or four things that in combination are creating the friction for these individuals. And when you do find them, you actually can make really quick improvements uh, and and see the results in, um, in through data. Uh, so that's our approach. It's essentially data based. Um, it essentially is capturing the voice of these employees about their environment, 
uh, and we have an entire what we call work model that encapsulate uh, how work works in the complex environment and that spits out essentially those heat maps that uh, people use to um, go fix things. The growth of any business relies on the workforce behind it and Namely knows that if you can wow your people, you can power your business. Namely is the all-in-one HR solution that empowers you to engage and develop your people in an intuitive platform so you can make your life easier and your employees happier. Namely's award-winning technology gives your employees the career and connections they need to truly become part of your business. Whether you have 20 or 1,000 employees, Namely handles the essential HR, payroll, and compliance needs all through their modern and integrated platform. With Namely, your team stays engaged with a seamless interface and self-service tools to request PTO, acknowledge peers, review pay stubs, and enroll in benefits, while you get the time and data you need to focus on your core business initiatives. As Namely helps you easily handle everything from onboarding, payroll, time tracking, open enrollment, employee engagement, and so much more. Make your life easier and power your business with Namely today. Learn how you can simplify your HR processes today at Namely.com. That's Namely.com. If your company is remote or hybrid, then you know just how difficult it can be to grow your company's culture beyond a pre-scheduled Zoom happy hour or occasional lunch and learn. Well, this week's sponsor is here to solve that. They're called CultureBot. CultureBot has devised what will likely become the gold standard for growing and blossoming a company culture inside of Slack. The app is like a sidekick for any HR or people professional, automating a lot of the mundane tasks you probably are forgetting to do on a daily basis. Things like birthday and work anniversary celebrations, team shout outs and kudos, employee introductions, and remote games. It even has health and wellness tips and conversation starters. If that piques your interest, this will get you even more excited. Today, I'm able to share a special promotion for listeners of the podcast. You can get your first six months of CultureBot for 50% off. Plus, if your team is under 25 employees, CultureBot is free forever. So if you're looking for a way to create a culture of appreciation and drive increased engagement and togetherness across your team, I definitely recommend checking out CultureBot. Go to getculturebot.com slash humanhr. That's getculturebot.com slash humanhr to get the offer. Plus, I've added the link in the show notes, so you can just click right there. Now, let's get back to the podcast. Perfect. Thank you for explaining that. It's really interesting because I'm sure that then you're getting this data, you're seeing where these friction points are, and businesses are like, okay, this is really clear. This makes sense. Let's improve these friction points. And that ultimately directly impacts the employee's engagement, especially considering your point around it being subjective, that if there is this like critical mass that is saying this is a friction point for all of us or 80% of us, then to be able to improve the experience for 80% of employees is pretty impactful. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. you, you don't really have that type of opportunity in other types of situations within business. Yeah, so there's a couple of, so good point, a couple of things there. Um, Number one, what really matters is that businesses are able to have data, you know, to quantify and prioritize the amount of friction people uh, experience. Uh, And we prioritize that using using two, uh, two axes, basically. One is performance, so which, which of these activities uh, in which activities do they incur the most friction? So, for example, solve a customer problem. Um, and uh, importance, which is how important is it to them uh, and how frustrating is it to them when it's not working? 
Um, mm. So one of the most, like across the board, one of the most frustrating thing for employees is when they try to get a new internal job in a big company. It tends to be so complex. Uh, no one follows up on their application. Uh, mm. No one gives them feedback and so on and so forth. That's very frustrating for them. Uh, and that's actually one of those that come to the top of both importance and also uh, at the bottom of the performance barrel. So that's a, a thing. One that's important is prioritizing because everything has friction. It's just a question of going after where there's most and where it matters most. Sure. The second thing is to be able to see the difference. So when you go take action on a, a friction point, you can actually measure whether it's getting better or not. And that's kind of the beauty of it, which is hard to come by in HR, is to be able to measure the before and after to see if the action that we're taking is making a difference. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, right? Like uh, my, and the only ones who know, again, are the ones who are doing the work. Uh, so um, it is a way to um, approach even HR investments and HR initiatives with a much more uh, continuous improvement, incremental improvement uh, spirit, then, you know, the spirit of we're going to go create a perfect process that is going to make it great for everyone. And then we'll never talk about it again, because mm -hmm. that's not how it really works in, in real life. Um, right. So I, I am, um, um, uh, you know, it, it, it is kind of pushing uh, the HR discipline, if you will, in a direction that is a little similar to the way customer facing teams have moved, which is to have really hard edged data that tells them where to focus, what to focus on, go try, a, you know, a quick sprint to fix things, make things better, measure the result. And when you start showing results that are going up, everyone will give you budget to continue what you do. That's so true. you no longer have to find, you know, these hypothetical big transformation dollars uh, to power power things forward. Right. There, there is a power in data and the quantitative uh, piece to that really helps HR professionals and other business leaders get their points across and get their budgets approved. That's and it right. makes it, it makes me think too about like what you would say the biggest areas of opportunity to improve, um, like, you know, whether it's business and employee performance in this, in this area or this arena. And, you know, especially considering the way that work environments have changed, like we have remote, we have hybrid, we have in-person, we have people who are worried about AI taking over their jobs, right? Like there's so much mm -hmm. coming down this, you know, this, uh, pipeline, so to speak, in the ever-changing work environment. So what what are the biggest areas of opportunity? So, there, you know, there still is a very big stream of central investments to try to lift, lift up all boats in terms of uh, experience. So digitizing a bunch of stuff that uh, is right now manual, you know, over time does help do that. Uh, and that's run centrally with COEs and, um, uh, you know, HR strategy, et cetera, et cetera. But where we see a lot of opportunity actually is more in business units for these large companies, where you have PL owners 
who have, I don't know, a billion dollar business unit with, uh, let's say 10, 15,000 employees and where attrition really bites, right? So attrition and productivity is basically these folks' PL. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. And that's a the make or break is that. So, and from their perspective, there's really no good solution that HR has come up with to resolve these things, right? It, it, it's been very, there's been a lot of effort, right? So it's not for lack of effort or lack of trying, mm -hmm. but things haven't really moved. Especially, you know, you, you look at uh, quit rates in North America have kept in increasing for the past um, what, 10 years, right? And, and uh, engagement that kept decreasing. So in a way, what is it that uh, in the business, in the, in the uh, not at the corporate strategic strategy level, uh, but in the business, what is it that they can do differently? And where what we find with our customers is uh, essentially the activities that are, are the most fraught with friction are a combination of, in quotes, HR things like finding a, a career path in the company, but also business driven things like my workflow, the things I do when I try to, I don't know, resolve a customer issue. I don't have the information I need. I can't get the approval fast enough to solve the problem for my customer. Therefore, I look bad. These kinds of things are actually owned by the business. And so if you want to reduce friction for employees that are at the cold face, customer facing, and that are really driving the business, you have to be able to solve at the HR and at the business level. And usually business units are the best place to do that. Uh, so there, there's actually huge opportunity there to make an impact. And for some of our customers, there's been like tremendous uptick in, um, in retention rates and also in productivity and, uh, uh, you know, overall uh, just health of the business by removing things that no one knew were broken. Right. Uh, but then when you uncover them and it, it kind of like, freeze people's uh, you know ability to just do their work which is kind of what they all want right at the end of the day that's all you know it's it, to your point it's already hard enough let's just keep everything else as easy as possible and this example that you've used around like the internal mobility and promotion mm -hmm. opportunities it's such a good example because it is i don't think i've ever worked for a company that has gotten it a hundred percent right or or I should say, nor have I seen a company not have these issues because, mm. you know, it's like, I don't know what it is. It's, I don't know if it's a mentality thing or if it's just, you know, we forget the value that we place on positions. Like I think about when a company has an open role and they have hundreds and hundreds of employees and maybe five people say, hey, I'm really interested in this role. And then we make it more difficult for our internal employees than we do for an external candidate. Mm -hmm. And it comes down to this, like almost this notion of how do companies set up their processes in recruitment so that they are prioritizing internal candidates before external candidates. You know, it's, it's a, such a great example. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's a backdrop to that. First of all, every company out there, every large company uh, says, you should come and work for me. I'm big and I'm going to offer you great growth opportunities, right? That's the, that's the EVP statement. 
which makes sense, right? You're big, therefore it's going to be, you know, maybe it's going to be more bureaucratic. Maybe it's going to not going to be quite as fun as a smaller one, but I'm going to have plenty of places to go. And then you show up there and no one uh, talks to you about your career for the next three years. And uh, right now, as I mentioned about my son, like, uh, you know, people don't have that kind of patience. They're like, well, no. you know, this was just a promise that was not kept. Now, the reason why companies struggle with it is because it's really complex. When you really think about the both the, the, the experience of an individual in a big company thinking about their next role, right? Just thinking about it is already an, an activity in itself. And then evaluating what could be things I could do and what things do I need to learn to be able to go do it? And who should I talk to about it? Uh, and what my manager is going to say about it? And what does the career framework at the company suggest I should be doing and where I can go? And then the career portal that shows me available jobs. And then the talent acquisition team that I need to go and interact with. It's from, uh, so as a former CHR looking into these kinds of things from the top, you don't know where it breaks. You can only see the result, which is that people are not unhappy with it. But which part of all these things and all these you know, services essentially breaking down? And that is what uh, Fount actually uh, does, which is to essentially illuminate. It's almost like an X-ray of in, in all the in all the systems that provide these experiences. Here's where the friction occurs, so you can root it out. Um, mm -hmm. But it's a yeah that that is perhaps one of the most acute examples that frustrates employees and uh, that employers again they're aware of the problem, but they actually are not really sure how to address it. And right. buying another talent platform, it, 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 you know, may help, but who knows, right? Like uh, until you know what problem you solve, you're still, you know, guessing. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And, and like anything else, there are leaders who are better at focusing on talent development and career yes. development than others. And so there are teams that probably do a really great job of this and, and, really focus on having those, you know, having those questions in every discussion. What, you know, how are you feeling in your career? What do you see for yourself? What areas of development do you have? Um, and then there's that, it, there's like that micro element there where it's the employee and their manager. And then there's the macro, which is the company's strategy around talent development. And so it is, it is an acute example and it's a great one. Well, actually, um, and I'm happy to 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 move town if if you'd like, but uh, like if you think about this example, uh, you're touching on a really important thing, which is the role of managers in all this. Um, managers end up being a friction absorber, right? Yes. Uh, so, in other words, they're the ones that take an environment that makes it difficult for people to pursue a new job. Not it's not doing that on purpose. It's inadvertently making it difficult, and managers are compensating for that by being extra good at doing what you described. But that's only unicorn managers. That's the mm -hmm. twenty percent of managers that we all wish we had everywhere. But mm -hmm. the eighty percent doesn't do that. Um, sorry, don't do that. Uh, and the 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 real issue is. How do we make the system 
work for people without having managers having to be heroic at all times uh, mm. to make it work. And uh, that's a great example where all the, the wires that I described earlier, plus more, can be actually designed and optimized to really provide support to someone who wants to figure out a career. Um, it, you just have to know what to fix and, 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 and how to build it. Um, right. Right. And I guess to, to wrap us up here, because you've shared so many wonderful insights and really it's, it's a great topic for everyone to think about how we reduce work friction and those opportunities. What would you say for those who are HR in our HR or other um, areas of the business leadership who are listening, what would you say should be, you know, or what would you advise should be their first focus to reduce work friction? What are some action items or steps they can take today? So, um, maybe the 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 first thing is to realize. Uh, so, I, I I was a business leader uh, for many many years before I became CHRO. Uh, there is real tension between HR and the business uh, of whose fault is it? <laughs> um, and just acknowledging that the fault is shared. And actually, you know, we have 5 million data points that show us that it is shared accountability between the things that the business owns and the things that HR own. And therefore, that the only solution is going to be a collaborative one. Uh, so in other words, both the business and HR putting their heads together to solve the most important friction points for employees. Thing one. Thing two, um, work friction is one of the rare things that uh, can rally both chief financial officers and CEOs, but um, people who care about productivity and people who care about employees' well-being. Because employees themselves hate work friction, CFOs wake, you know, hate two hours of work wasted a day. So, mm -hmm. how often is there a common cause like that that you can rally around uh, to go and tackle together with employees? Uh, so that's thing two. Thing three is the best way to understand work friction is from employees. So it means that. Um, acknowledge that HR teams, even those that are close to the front line, usually don't quite know where exactly is it. Uh, and they certainly can't quantify it. Um, and if you can't quantify anything, it's very hard to get the organization focused on resolving it. Um, so I think that would be the, the, the last thing is get essentially friction data that shows the rest of the organization the opportunity that you know, resides in some of these friction points so that you can galvanize action and measure results. Um, that would be it. So, uh, and maybe the final message on it is that it's not an unsolvable problem. It's one of these things that's okay. been around for ages that's becoming more and more pressing. And right now everyone is a little bit uh, just saying, well, you know, it's kind of the lay of the land. We have attrition rates at 30 plus percent in our frontline teams. It's been that way for the past five years. Uh, actually, that can be curbed uh, if, if tackling work friction. So um, it no longer is an unsolvable problem. Right, which 
provides a lot of hope for organizations, exactly. right? That's yeah. Right. It's something that we can we can solve. It might not be easy, but it can it can be solved with the right data. And I love this concept of, you know, this aligning mission and something that unites the various areas of the business on one common ground. So that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And um, Christoph, I really appreciate you joining the podcast and sharing all of your wise words and wisdom and insights with us. Um, where can the listeners connect with you and learn more about Fount? Um, so to, on our website, uh, found-ex.com, um, uh, LinkedIn with me, um, I don't know, write to me, <laughs> um, uh, anything. But I think the website is perhaps the best, uh, the best path. Perfect. And for everyone listening, we have all of the links linked in the show notes so you can get connected to Christoph and to learn more about Fount. Just click that link to the website and, and have a great time learning more about what it is that they do. Christoph, thank you so much again. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Tracy. Great to be here. Hey, just before you go, don't forget to subscribe to the show so that you are the first to hear when an episode drops each week. And maybe leave a five-star review and a comment about how much you loved this episode. Plus, if you have someone in mind who would really enjoy this episode, make sure you share it with them. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next week.